I think a lot of the waiting, I, I mean, I can look back and think, yeah, I wouldn't have been ready for this relationship. It's just, I've been, been being prepared for this without knowing it. This morning, I'm excited to share a conversation with my dear friend, coworker, and long-lost twin, Lindsay Gum. We met when I started working at Nashville Songwriters Association, and since then, our friendship has grown. Lindsay respects a good hockey game, a properly made grilled cheese, and throwback boy band hits. We may or may not have blared One Direction on a car ride down I-40 at some point in our friendship. 2017 was a growth period for the both of us, and I can vividly remember talking over beers at Melrose about the frustration in not understanding God's yet-to-be-revealed plan. We both approach and cope with situations in a similar fashion, and I found comfort in getting to know Lindsay and learning from her perspective on waiting. Fast forward to today, we still work together, and I'm so happy to call her both a friend in the office and on the weekend. Last summer, we hung out in her living room and talked about resisting comparison and following gut instincts. The area of waiting we focus on revolves around dating relationships and what it means to never second-guess what you want, despite others' opinions or approach to relationships. Giving ourselves grace is easier said than done, and I think it's so important to surround yourself with those who challenge you to be better and can relate to your story in one aspect or another. Lindsay is one of those friends for me, and I hope you enjoy hearing our conversation in the waiting room. I grew up in a small town in West Virginia. Um... In a family, I would say it's what you would call "quote unquote" normal, traditional family. Um, my dad went to work every day. My mom stayed home with me. My two younger brothers. Um, he would come home at six most days. Um, there were once a week he had to work late, but he was home by six. We had dinner as a family, unless you know I had dance that night or. My brothers had a baseball game or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, structure, there was a lot of structure, a lot of continuity to my childhood, um, and a lot of routine. And I, I think that that I, I didn't realize that at the time, but now being an adult and like seeing how other people and how kids live nowadays, I would say that. I really notice how much structure and um, how much of a routine that we have. Yeah. I, I kind of know how important that is to my life now, and that's probably why. As far as love and commitment goes, we didn't really verbalize a lot of things in my family. Um, I've only, within the past year or two, learned how to really talk about my feelings and emotions and even in a way that some people would consider normal, I just never did it. I was never comfortable yeah. talking about anything much deeper than surface, even with my family. Um, my parents were kind of like that too with us. I, I guess with each other, they probably communicated just fine. But with us, it was it was just more of a, a parent-child relationship. And yeah. um, I'm sure if I would have had questions – they would have talked about stuff, but I just really kind of learned by example, by watching how my parents interacted. Yeah. Um, they seem to have a very good partnership and, um, and their roles were pretty well defined um, as far as things that my mom took care of, things that my dad took care of. Right. Um, 
So I really kind of just grew up watching rather than talking. Which I think means so much more. When you kind of have the ability to observe. Yeah. Rather than just hearing. Right. Imagine or see or excuse me, hear people say how a family is supposed to operate or how like, Mm. you know. I feel like that that means yeah. a lot more. Yeah, and families can operate in many different ways successfully. That was just the way that mm-hmm. I was raised, and um, it worked out well for me. Yeah, I think. I think it did. <laughs> I think you're a great person. I'm glad we're friends. Well, thanks. <laughs> and now, you know, as an adult, I'm I'm good friends with my parents. Yeah, and I mean, I still think of them as a parent first and a friend second. Um, but. You know, I'm more open to communicating about things now than I Mm -hmm. was when I was a kid. So, yeah, yeah, they're they're great people. Yeah. I'm grateful to have been brought up the way that I was. Your dating life. Did you ever talk about that with them? (laughs) I feel like I – I mean, I know you said surface, but did you ever, like – did they ever, like, probe? Not really. Um, I had some boyfriends – even through, like, starting elementary school. Yeah. There's always a boy that I had a crush on or was my boyfriend or whatever. And um, and then in high school, I remember a couple times I probably had my first couple broken hearts. Just maybe guys – it mostly was guys that I liked and thought maybe had an interest in me, but I wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. They ended up choosing someone else. And then – Savages. When that would happen, I was crushed yeah. in my own teenage way. And a couple times I could remember crying in front of my parents about that. And that was a big deal for me because um, I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me to show that emotion in front of mm-hmm. them and show that, that vulnerability. Um, but they're always really supportive and great about it. I should have done it more. But... <laughs> um, so, so is, but I feel like that's maybe your personality too, though, because I, I feel like I'm more. Okay, I have this thing with the word vulnerability. I feel like it's used so much, mm-hmm. but I also feel like it is like that is the non-vulnerable part of me. I grew up really, really shy. Like that was just I super introverted, mm-hmm. didn't say a word, and even when I got to college and had like gone through a breakup I felt like my voice was just kind of like I didn't have much of a Mm -hmm. I mean I wasn't to that full potential that I am I feel like at this point and so I can relate and just being shy and not really feeling Mm -hmm. comfortable sharing what you're feeling or knowing if it's okay that you feel a certain way yeah you know well and I think along those lines once I got to college because I came to Tennessee for college. Um, so I was eight hours away from home. My relationship with my parents was over the phone. And I would go home for holidays and for summer breaks. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I really learned how to communicate with my parents over right. the phone. And while that happened, my parents were really, really good about understanding that if there was something I wanted to share with them, I would talk about it when I was ready. So they didn't really pry for stuff. Yeah. And I think at first, my, my mom especially was so good about that. 
because I know she would have been dying to know more about mm-hmm. what was going on if I was dating. I had a, I had a boyfriend most of the time through college, and and they met him, and um, and so most of most of college for me was him. So they didn't really have to wonder, oh, are you dating anyone? Blah blah. blah. Um, and so, and then when that breakup happened, I think they did see some more of more vulnerability from me, but I was living out of the house, outside of the house. So, right. So they so weren't they still really only got what I was willing and ready to talk about. And that's, that's kind of been my pattern in, into adulthood. I didn't date a ton after college. Um, I didn't like dates and I thought they were awkward and I didn't want to go on them. So, <laughs> but my mom, you know, I talked to her on the phone way more than I talked to my dad. Um, she never would have, was like, are you dating anybody? So what's, what's going on? Like anything, anything promising? Every once in a while she would, if she caught wind that I would, if she picked up on like if you were mentioning someone's name yes. like a, so more than once story what you know <laughs> some of those like if it was somebody i was hanging out with a pool with a good bit. right sometimes maybe there would have been a crush there deep down nothing serious or sometimes they were just the person i was hanging out with a bunch they were just there because yeah. they lived there too yeah. and so it sometimes was nothing and sometimes she would pry for a little more and be like so what's their story is there an interest there and i'd be I have to be like no calm down mom or yeah. I feel like it, just with what you said about figuring out if someone likes you, can you um, expand on what you what you've learned through this waiting season of almost seeing something come out of a sort of maybe interest, huh? and then kind of deciding, okay, that's I need I'm overthinking it or like this is not. I, I yeah. have something that I can talk about. I I have told you this before, but the book and then the movie, He's Just Not That Into You, mm-hmm. really changed my perspective and kind of gave me what I feel like is a really healthy way to go about it mm-hmm. because it really just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that typically if a guy is into you, he's going to pursue you. Guys aren't going to play games. And if I'm crushing on somebody and if I'm not sure whether or not he's into me, I'm just going to be myself. I'm not going to try to force anything. I'm not going to try to um, to orchestrate something happening and ask him out or whatever because I want to know that he is genuinely into me and he's yeah. not just like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll go out with you. And then I feel like I'm. Then you feel like you're the leader in the relationship. Yeah, and for that's a lot of women, either. which for a lot of women is awkward. Yeah. And then I'll never truly know if the guy actually was into me or if he just said yes, because I asked him. Yeah. And, and I also didn't want to, I don't know. I just, it just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that if a guy's into me, yeah, he's going to show me attention and 
ask me out or put the effort in or whatever. And if he's not into me, he's not going to play games. Do you have guys are chasers and not the ones that want to be chased for the most part. And, and so I knew that much. And then I knew the type of guy that I wanted was somebody who was going to take charge and be a leader. Mm. And so if he couldn't even do that from the get go and, if he liked me and showed interest in me, couldn't say anything about it, then I didn't want to set a precedent with the beginning of a relationship and me be the one taking right. charge. And no. It's just too, yeah. It's so, not, it's, it doesn't feel natural to you. Yeah. And down the road, it's not going to be, it's not going to get any better from there, you know? Yeah. Do you have like a specific example of like without naming names mm-hmm. of a time when you, just like, oh my God, this guy's putting out the vibes, but not the actual, like, mm-hmm. I feel like vibes is, again, one of those, like, hints. Yeah. But me and you, I feel like we're, we're, we're the same in the sense that we're very just, like, black and white. Like, just say mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know? There was a guy that I, I had a crush on at one point, and we would hang out um, sometimes, just in groups, and I, I thought he could have been into me too. Um, I didn't know if it would have been a long-term thing. I thought probably it wouldn't have been, but it was kind of just a fun mm-hmm. little, oh, does he like me? I kind of like him. And just like a, a, a fun little butterfly thing for a change when right. I wasn't usually crushing on people. And, um, and I never really got any kind of confirmation that, he wanted to take me out on a date. He never yeah. really asked me out. He invited me to go on the lake a couple times with some other people. And, you know, I felt like, well, he didn't yeah. have to ask me to do that. And he didn't invite other girls, but there were other guys there. Um, so it, it still wasn't like a one-on-one date. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing really ever came of it. Um, and then it just kind of fizzled fizzled out and and i knew just based on where he was at in his career um he probably wasn't going to be settling down anytime soon Mm -hmm. and that was okay with me because i'm like i i didn't want to be the girlfriend of somebody like that anyway well you don't want to be be like like, fighting for attention and like second choice to like right yeah so that kind of i I just i was okay with it Mm -hmm. i had peace about Okay, if if he's not super into me, and then that's fine. I'd rather not fight for something that I'm gonna end up getting disappointed anyway. Right. There's somebody better out there. Right. I mean, I think that there's always. I feel like I mean, us women have good intuition. Mm-hmm. We know deep down when something's not really real. Mm-hmm. And I think that we like to, and I think that's actually in anything in a waiting season, when you're just kind of, you're doing what you can, but you also feel like you're just twiddling your thumbs. And so something that comes your way that's like, ooh, like maybe this is, it's easy to kind of take those things and be like, oh, that's it. Oh, that's, this is what I've been waiting for. And then you kind of realize, oh, this is not actually, I may have jumped the gun. Mm-hmm. So through your waiting season of finding your person, what have you learned most about yourself? Um, in your it, like, 
searching for that person, but not like actually actively like pursuing, right. you know? Yeah. And I definitely was not actively pursuing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I never did like the online dating thing. I didn't look, seek out dates because yeah. I just didn't enjoy it. And I just knew I was like, well, I'll meet somebody when I'm supposed to meet somebody and I'm not going to try to force anything. I'm just going to live my life. Um, and it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And it was hard for me because I, um, and I learned this probably in my late twenties. Um, I was a cheerleader for a professional sports team. And so I'm around beautiful girls, um, all the time. And so you're always comparing yourself to them. And, and so it's easy to feel discouraged about how you look and you're like, well, I'm never, she's got a better body than I do, or she's hotter than I am, or guys like blondes and not brunettes or redheads. And it's, um, and, and so you, you want to, you want to have the attention. You want to be the one that gets attention. You want to feel like you're pretty and that guys are picking you over the other girls. So while, yeah, obviously I made the team too, but it's so easy to trick yourself into thinking, well, everybody else is prettier than I am. And the guys would rather pick those girls than me. Yeah. And, um, and then I would, and I, of course I, I love those girls and have a special bond with them because of the experience that we all shared and, um, and I'm still friends with some of them. And, but it's, it's interesting. I really had to do a check on myself in the middle of it all because I would start to, to compare myself to them and I would watch, um, I would watch them like go out with a bunch of guys and, and get into things that I wouldn't necessarily myself get into. And, but I was like, well, maybe I have to do those things to get attention, but that's not the type of guy that I would want anyway. And so there was this like internal struggle for me of, and then, I, you know, and then I Cause would, it's almost like you've been, you've been going this path for so long of like believing that you're just going to live your life. You're going to, you're going to mm-hmm. find your person that way. And then you start to kind of second guess, like, is this the right way? And right. I like, am I making it harder on myself? Mm-hmm. But then I would... But then, then like I, you said... Yeah, and I would talk to girls, you know, like, hey, how was how was after the game? Or how how were things... You know, I know you guys were going out a couple days ago. What Anything interesting mm-hmm. happened? Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes I'd go out, sometimes I wouldn't. And, but I always would want to know, like, what happened, you know? And who, who else was out, whatever. And, but then, you know there would be an emptiness after it for them or, and so while you didn't want to miss out on anything, you know, I also, I was like, well, you know what? Fine. I'm, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. And, and, and that's when I really figured out that I, my identity and my self-worth was in Christ and it wasn't in the um, acceptance of other people and, and getting, getting, feeling that acceptance or feeling the attention and 
while, yeah, those things are great and they kind of build up your self-esteem a little bit more sometimes if you need a little fix of that, um, that it's not fulfilling. Yeah. And it, it still leaves you feeling empty. And then, but if my identity is in Christ and who he has created me to be, um, there's a confidence that goes with that. And it's like, I'm living my life the way he designed me to live it. And he chose to design me a certain way. Yeah. And so he's the creator. So obviously that's, I'm, I want to live out the way he designed me to live it out because. I, to- I totally agree with that. His intent Cause is if the he, best. Because if he knows you as well as he does, mm-hmm. he knows how you're dealing with your issues. He knows that you're human. Mm-hmm. He knows that you're imperfect. And he doesn't expect you to be perfect. That's what, that's what I think, like, through my waiting seasons, I've learned, you know, to give myself a little bit more grace. Yeah. You know, stop trying to think, like, so everybody's been talking about this, like, Enneagram thing. And I, (laughs) I, for a while, was like, what is, is this, like, one of those movements where you just learn? Fascinating. And then, like, my friend was like, well, let me explain my, because I, okay. I I thought it was something, and then I realized that I'm not, and then something else. I started to kind of was just like, oh, is this one of those, like, everybody's going to be talking about posting on Facebook, talking about their personality. It's all about you. It's all about your person, whatever, who you are. But then, like, I'm also that person <laughs> who believes that some of my own Zodiac sign. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm practical, but I also like to be like, oh, I am a Libra, and that doesn't make sense because I like balance and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Um, and then I do check my horoscope sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So, all that to say, the Enneagram, for a while I was like, I just don't feel like taking this 50-question test. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be so hard. I'm going to be, like, second-guessing myself. Because I second-guess myself on all multiple choice. Mm-hmm. That's why I like... Especially when it's about you. You'd almost rather somebody who knows you really well filled up for you. And then it's just, like, almost this, less than this, but you could be this, but or you could just be all the above. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but whoa, what if I'm wrong? Like, mm-hmm. about, like... Like, am I not being honest with myself? Yeah, if I am, I like, have I actually been judging people from the outside? <laughs> like, you know, the questions. Yeah. It's like, are you judging? It's like, well, I mean, like, justice or like, oh, she's that shirt doesn't mm-hmm. look, you know. But anyways, as I ramble on, I am a one. You are a one, and I do not doubt that um, at all. Because you read it, and some of it makes you uncomfortable because it's so. Spoiled, oh, right? I was. That's like, how you oh. know that it's. Yeah, that constant critic of, okay, I, I did that. It was great, but next time I can make it even better with this and, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's not even – it doesn't even matter about what anybody else says. I could ask them what they say, but at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, that doesn't really, like, make sense. Mm-hmm. But I, inside, am thinking, well, this podcast, mm-hmm. I may go through and be like, oh, there's, like, this weird sound in the background. and people are gonna, But people don't even notice that. <laughs> Just this ultra, like, perfect perfectionist. And then, mm-hmm. like, this responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of everything, be there for everybody, and give the right amount of mm-hmm. attention to every single thing that I'm doing in my life, which is completely impossible. So we kind of psych ourselves out, mm-hmm. I think, a little bit. Um, but where was I getting? Where, where, how do we end up at the Instagram? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm a six. Yeah, what, what are you, a six? A I ran a ball on about myself I, there for a minute. I like 
to feel safe. And that's basically it. Like yeah. I like, I like rules and I like structure and I like, I just, I don't like things to get out of control. I just like to feel safe. You know, I did read on the weird, they have like this weird web or something. I'm still trying to figure it out. Those that are like more opposite of you, you tend to draw to. So that's why we're friends, I think. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's the Enneagram. A lot of the people in the music business mm-hmm. that work with other people, like a lot of songwriters, producers, they they know the Enneagram really well because it helps them if the other person they know what the other person is or they try to figure out what the other person is. It yeah. helps them be able to interact best with those and like know how to draw out of them what they need to draw out of to get the best final product. So it's it's not just kind of a a self-indulgent personality thing. It's yeah. how can I best relate to other people and how can I best work with other See, people? See, like I was kind of judgy at the beginning. It's cool. It's I just fun. I just like to sit here and play Oregon Trail. I totally forgot about or Common San Diego or in the world. I oh, love I that. That's all I love play. that game. That's all I play. I used to kind of want to be here. I was like, on man, my, I would love people to look state. for me all the time and not know where I was. So back to what we how do I don't even know how we got. <laughs> people know. People listening to this will know how we got there. Yeah. We just don't. We're I just think kind of we're just talking about self-identity and understanding yourself and being confident in who you are and who you're created to be. Right. And that was, that's basically, (laughs) that's basically the takeaway that I have gotten from my waiting period is finding confidence in myself and, and just living my life and not trying to live it with the ultimate goal of finding somebody. It's living my life to live my life. Yeah. Uh, I think that's in it in any waiting season. Yeah. It's so hard. Like I was talking to my friend the other night about this. She's also on this project. Mm-hmm. And we kept talking about how like you're always waiting through these different seasons. But a lot of the things that we hope for mm-hmm. while we're waiting are temporary. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like we're waiting and we're holding out for these things that aren't really going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, like you said about God being being your soul identifier mm-hmm. and knowing why you deal with things the way that you deal with things, mm-hmm. um, I think it makes it easier to know that he's sympathetic. He's, oh, we were talking about gracious, graciousness. Yeah. Giving ourselves grace. Um, mm-hmm. And realizing that through that realization, um, we, we don't expect anyone else to be better than they already are. Does that make sense to you? Like, if we don't expect ourselves mm-hmm. to be a 10, like 11, 12, like, keep going up, mm-hmm. we're not expecting that other person yeah. to be that way. So I feel like that's, you know, but. So we've been sharing our opinions about dating and just kind of waiting and everything. I think that sometimes the waiting process is hard when it comes to dating because everyone has an opinion on how to go about it, what to look for, etc. How have you found peace in knowing what you want and need outside of others' feedback and thoughts about meeting somebody? Mm. Like, where have you kind of have found that? Like, what have you told yourself to kind of recenter back into I am at peace mm-hmm. about what I want and what God knows I need for my life. 
Yeah. Well, you know, people that I would come across either through work or friends or whatever, you know, I just, I was single for a long time yeah. and a, a date or two here and there, not very often. And people would be like, Lynn's like, why, why are God, you single? Why don't you, why don't you have a boyfriend? Like, why haven't you met somebody? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, you should just, you should go online and no. date or you should go on <laughs> The Bachelor, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, no, that's not for me. I don't, I don't enjoy dates. I wish I was one of those people that yeah. could just go for the experience and, oh, it's just, it's a dinner with somebody that you don't know. It's just getting to know somebody. I never think about it that way, no, to be honest. No, I can't. I get, I, I get nervous. I get, I dread it. When I know that I don't know if I'm interested in that person, but they went to the trouble of asking me, so, and they're not awful, so I'll, <laughs> I'll go, you know, and, and, but I would dread it, and then it would be over, and I, I wouldn't say that I would enjoy myself while I was there, but I, I could be myself, because I was confident in who I was. You and still I, are. I would go into yeah. it with an open mind. But I still would leave the date not super into the person and didn't really want to go on another one with that person or, you know. And so I felt like I had done it enough to where I knew I didn't enjoy it. And I knew myself well enough to know that the person that I would end up with would probably end up being somebody that I already had known or had gotten to know just on a friend level where there were no expectations and and then it would just develop into something yeah and so that's how i could really just ignore all the external voices telling me we well, need to do this you need to do this and you should meet so and so and i setups are not my favorite. yeah I don't, it felt like, it felt forced to me. It felt like an interview and there was pressure to like, like the person and, and you're always in your head going, well, what will he think if I say this? Or what will he think if I say this? Or, well, did I just come across weird? Did I just do something weird with my mouth? Like, and if you're, <laughs> if you're getting to know somebody without the pretense of it being a date, then you're not worried about any of those things and you're going to be more yourself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was how I was able to just kind of, you know, ignore all the unsolicited advice that I would get. Have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother? Yep. I'm so glad. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get references, but sound like try. such a basic white girl when I said that. It's not the Bible, but I just I love it because I just feel like it's it's there's so many feelings in that show that I identify with. And I also love how they go through these different years of like I love how they go through these different times where like social media hasn't quite hit. So I remember what it was like for someone to actually call me on the phone to interact mm -hmm. with different people in person. It's just like, you know, it's just a lot easier, I feel like. But at the same time, it's still hard in its own way. But anyways, so there's this one part. Do you remember that episode when, um, oh, what's his name? Ted. Okay. You remember that episode when Ted is in his car with, or no, he's not in his car. He's in the car with his ex-fiance. 
and she's about to get married to somebody else, the doctor. Okay. Um, he's sitting there, and I don't know how they like ran into each other, but this is like after he left, or excuse me, she left the altar, left him at the altar. He says, okay, I'm going to say something out loud that I've been doing a pretty good job of not saying out loud lately. What you and Tony have, what I thought for a second you and I had, what I know that Marshall and Lily have, I want that. I do. I keep waiting for it to happen. I wait for it to happen. And I guess I'm just tired. I'm tired of waiting. And that is all I'm going to say on that subject. Hmm. That quote, I feel like I just, in, in, like in different seasons, not just mm-hmm. dating. In so many seasons, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like seriously, like I've been strong for this such amount of time, but I just feel like I have given all that I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally, in the simplest way possible, just going to say I'm sick of waiting. So when have you felt like that? Do you remember a time, a specific time when you felt that way? And what did what did something happen or did you tell yourself or did you feel like God was speaking to you in a way where um, – Speaking something to you to help you get through that. I don't know if there's anything specific or any specific situations I remember, but I do feel like it came and went in waves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would be like super strong, like I'm real content with my life right now. If a guy comes along, great. If not, no big deal. And then there were times... Where it was most often when there was maybe a work event to go to or a friend's wedding or just some function that I needed to go to and I wanted somebody to go with. I wanted a Mm. companion. I wanted a partner. I just, I wanted that person. I didn't want to have to go by myself. I'm an introvert. That's hard enough for me anyway. And I just, I wanted just a person. I wanted my person to just be there, be there and know that I just wouldn't have to go alone. And those would be the times when I would get frustrated and upset just to myself and Mm -hmm. the privacy of my own home. Like, why, why haven't I met somebody yet? All the, everybody else is going to have a date. When's my turn? When is my turn? Exactly. Um, so those were times. And then I, you know, I get through it. It would be fine. And, um, go about my normal day to day life and be back to being content. Mm -hmm. But it was, it usually would be something like that. That would remind me you're single. You're not in a relationship. You're not in love. You don't have somebody that loves you back. You know, those were the times that I would. So hard. Remember. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because they kind of, they come out of the blue Mm-hmm. Like you don't think you're going to feel that way at the end of the night or the end of the whatever it is. Or even it could just come like on a random day at the grocery store and you're like, man, like where is my... I'm kind of lonely. Yeah. And... Just shopping for myself. And then it's like, I, man, like I don't feel like feeling this way right now. Mm-hmm. But it's like you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And then you go home and watch the holiday and turn off all the lights. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was my therapeutic movie that I just, if I was being depressed about being alone, yeah. I would watch The Holiday. I watched, well, I finished Gilmore Girls. But that's been my thing for the past mm. couple 
couple months. I just finished the last episode of like the original series, and I was like, oh. I've been watching it too. It's we so. This. I'm only part way through the second season, but it's so good. I yeah. I, I want to be Lorelai. I don't know if I want her love life, but I want to be Lorelai. I have issues with Lorelai. Do you? She annoys me. She's. I don't like Rory. Rory She's needs to childish. buck up. <laughs> Rory has everything handed to her. Girlfriend's just over here all meek and, like, naive and, like, Yeah, but she has to parent her mother. That's true. But, see, Lorelai is just, like, I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. I'm going to co- come out of this, like, I'm going to come out of this. Yeah. I mean, Mama Gilmore is going to know. Yeah. I give her props for that. Plus, I'm only partway through the second season, like I said, but. She will grow on you. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I think she's not funny because she thinks she's really funny. And. Um, Is there a yeah, character that a keeps worker. you watch, watching it? No, I just enjoy it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I enjoy it, and it's so funny. Some girls that I used to work with, they were super into it. Mm-hmm. So we would talk about it, and I'll be like, I don't like this, and I don't like this, and I don't like this, but I love the show, and I can't stop watching it. <laughs> <laughs> you literally can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm. Talk about your current love life. My current love life. And current love life. And maybe, like, just as much as you do want to share, like, yeah. what's the waiting in that? Um, what's the waiting season right now for you? The waiting season right now for me is... <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if there's a grand reveal. Um, I've been dating somebody for a few months now and we had been friends before and so we already really knew each other very well when we've decided to start dating and um and it's it's been really great it's it's not probably how I would have seen it um because he had been married before he's got a couple adorable little girls yes and I never didn't think that that's the guy I would end up with, but it wasn't necessarily what I pictured. And, but I really just, I had a completely open mind. I never had somebody drawn up from the beginning of this is the kind of guy I'm going to end up with. I really always had an open mind about it. And, um, and so now it just makes, all the sense in the world why we're together and why we're just together now and not before. Yeah. And, um, speak of the devil. He, um, it makes all the sense in the world. Why, why we ended up together, why it's happened now and Mm -hmm. not a while ago. I think the fact that, He's got kids. You know, I had to be mature to come into this relationship to um, to be able to handle that. Um, I had to be confident in myself and my identity when there is a dynamic with an ex-wife who is involved in the kids' lives and who, um, who he gets along with. And they have a, a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. even though they're not married, obviously. Um and and so 
you know, you're going to have some insecurities with that because there, there is somebody who he spent a, a huge chunk of his life with and has memories with and has kids with. And, um, and so I really think I, I wouldn't have been ready for that as a younger person. Yeah. I, I've had to go through all these realizations of myself and, um, and know really the type of man that I need. And I know I've found all those things in him and the same for him. Like he is who he is because of his experiences in the past. And, and because of all those experiences, he is, he is the man that I need him to be. And he, he knows, I know the type of man I need. And, um, and to be somebody who um, can can be a stable force in his girls' lives when they're not with their mom. Um, somebody who is still going to be somebody that they can trust. And, um, you know, I want to – I take that seriously. And I think – a younger person or somebody who, who, who I was a long time ago may not have had that maturity or that outlook. Yeah. Um, and know that he loves those girls and they're important to him and he may choose them or put their needs before mine. And I need to be okay with that. And so I need to understand it, the selflessness that that would take. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of the waiting, I, I mean, I can look back and be like, yeah, I wouldn't have been ready for this relationship. He is the man. Preparation, that, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. And yes, he is the man that I need, but there are some, some other factors at play here that aren't just me and him. And, and, you know, it's just, I've been, been being prepared for this without knowing it. And he tells me all the time, Lens, you, there's nothing too big for you. Cause he feels like, he feels like he has baggage and he's like, well, you could be with anybody. I don't understand how you're still single. I don't understand, you know, why you wouldn't be with somebody who doesn't have kids, who hasn't been divorced, who like, why do you choose me? And, and he's like, you're just, but it just makes so much sense. You're so well equipped for this. You, nothing's too big for you. You just are showing so much grace in it. And so, you know, I, I feel like I was made for this role and it, it feels like it makes sense to me and it feels like it makes sense to him. And I don't know. What would you say to someone that's not at that, this makes sense stage yet? Um, how to have an o- open mind in their waiting seasons. I like to say seasons at this point because I figured that yeah, most I'm people are going season. Now it's like, well, you know, we've been in a relationship for a f- months and we know that we probably are going to get married, but you know, it's it's waiting when, on the right time for that. When when are the his kids going to be okay? Like they, we have a great relationship and we're getting to know each other, um, me and the girls. And, 
Um, but you know, you don't want to rush it for them. And, and so it's that, it's, you know, it's, it's everybody involved being ready for that step because we take it seriously. And so, and so it is easy for me now to get, because now that I'm 34 years old, so I've been waiting all this time. I want to be married. I know it's going to be him and I'm ready, but I also understand that there are other factors at play and it right. makes sense to keep waiting a little bit longer because the time isn't right right now to take that step. And um, I have to remind myself, take a step back, enjoy this time and don't just wait for that. Don't just live with, okay, I'm one day closer to getting married. Let, live that day and enjoy that day. And the marriage will happen when it's supposed to happen and when everybody's ready yeah. and it feels right. And um, so that's my waiting right now. Yeah. But I interrupted you. No, I mean, no, <laughs> you didn't. I was just like, I, as you're talking about this, I thought about this quote from um, Amy Poehler. Okay. She wrote, she wrote a book about her career and life, whatever. And what I loved about it is she kept talking about this concept of like working hard but not trying so hard to make things happen. Quote here, your ability to navigate and tolerate change and its painful uncomfortableness directly correlates to your happiness and general well-being. See what I did there? I saved you thousands of dollars on self-help books. If you can surf your life rather than plant your feet, you will be happier. And I love that because it's just kind of like, you know, I have my boundaries. I know... I know where what what places I don't need to venture into, mm-hmm. but I'm not completely just going to stand here and be like, I'm going to stay this way and I'm going to do this and mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen at this time mm-hmm. in this point in my life. Adaptability. Yeah. And I feel like what you were just talking about, you know, not really expecting the way that your love life was going to go, mm-hmm. it still ended up that way mm-hmm. and you're happy that you were able to take that waiting time to adapt. Mm-hmm. and be prepared for that mm-hmm. you know and it did happen in a way the way I thought it would he and I were friends first and he got to know the real me because there were no pretenses and of is this a date or no it wasn't a date we were just friends and we got to know each other and I wasn't trying to be somebody I wasn't I wasn't in my head about what does he think of me I didn't care I just was being myself and mm-hmm. And we just formed a really great foundation, friendship foundation. And and so yeah. then when we decided to date, there was no pressure because we knew we liked each other enough to date, want to date. Yeah. So it was. It's worked out. Yeah. And that's awesome. And it's awesome. Lastly, how have you fully embraced the overarching theme of waiting in your life? Reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I've, I've tried to do it gracefully. I've tried to do it confidently. I've tried to... Um, I've tried to be somebody that people could look to and... And... No, and, and feel like I was stable... And I had it all together. And, yeah. you know, there's there's 
good and bad to that when you want people to think that you have it all together because not every nobody has it all together no and um but i'm i'm very cautious with my vulnerabilities and letting people see them to a fault um but i just i don't want people to think i'm crazy <laughs> so. I think we I think we all don't want to think that. There are several times like I feel like I'm a lot more vulnerable than I used to be. Same. But even when I am, I do kind of like kind of shy back a little bit thinking, "Oh, is that that's a little too much, isn't it?" Mm-hmm. We always think we're a little too much. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like I think in that waiting period, we learn that you know, the things that we're thinking are too much are actually the things that we need to put out more that we need to share with people i mean that's how you connect Mm -hmm. it is it is how you connect and and how you build deep relationships and meaningful relationships when they stick around right and And i think like learning how to properly be vulnerable i think i don't know if that's that might be true or Mm -hmm. not true i don't know dig deeper in that but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's discernment of when to really open up and when to trust somebody with something that is sensitive to you and when to um to not divulge too much but yeah the main reason why i started this this project is because i feel like there's a lot of things in my life currently that i'm waiting on and so i kind of reached a point where i felt like i was trying to literally fix something so that something would give mm-hmm. trying anything fix anything and so it, has there ever been a, a time in your life where you felt like you're just waiting on multiple things and just you didn't have a whole lot to lean on? Mm-hmm. You felt like even though there was movement in your movement in your life, you weren't like feeling that. Yeah. Um yeah, that's tough. And there are seasons that you go through that, that you'll find that and I think it's just important to focus on the things, even if there's just one or two that really give you satisfaction or you joy or, um, that you enjoy Mm -hmm. or, um, that make you happy and cling to those things and, um, endure the other things and, and those things that you find the hope in focus on those and, then everything else will kind of there will there will be an eventual shift in the other direction, um, but I think it's important to endure and to not just quit. Now, yeah. if there are things that you know are toxic in your life, get rid of it. Yeah, but if it's just something that is a maybe just a challenge or you feel like you're in a rut. Just really focusing on like what is, what is important. What are the positives? Right. What's important? Is there a way that you can turn that thing that's the negative into the positive? Um, you know, it's funny. You're reminding me of something that I heard about my Enneagram type. <laughs> Coming back to that. They were talking about how like with the ones, it's very hard. If there's a lot of things that are negative, it's very hard to look beyond that. 
and know there's a positive coming because we have to fix the negative first. Oh. So I'm going to fix this negative first before I actually get to my happy place. Huh. So that's been kind of like, which I'm going to go back and say, I do. My life is great. Mm-hmm. I love my friends. I I love to laugh. I love to enjoy it the best I can. Mm-hmm. But even with somebody that loves to enjoy life, mm-hmm. still tough. Beyond the Instagram, beyond the Facebook, beyond Twitter, all that. Mm-hmm. It's still really tough. And so deep down there are times when I'm like, man, that really sucks. I just wish like if I could get over that, I could feel, really feel positive yeah. about that situation. Well, you know? Yeah. And I think you're com- – not you specifically, but you right. in general um, – you you compare your life to what you see on social media. So and of course social media is it makes everybody's lives seem perfect and rosy and enviable and I don't even know if that's a word, but it is. So and if you feel like your your life doesn't even compare, well that's not fair for you to compare yourself to those people because you're just seeing everybody's best version of themselves yeah. on Instagram. And so it's so hard for all of us to to avoid doing. Because it's natural for us to just compare our lives and our dissatisfaction with certain things to when it seems like everybody else's lives are perfect and they're completely happy and content. Cheers to waiting. <laughs> Cheers to waiting. Yeah. A lot can be learned from it. That is true. If you're looking for it. If you're looking to learn. If you're looking to learn while that I that's not gonna be profound. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna end on that note. Look to learn, people. Look to learn. Thanks for joining me this weekend for another episode of the Waiting Room series. If you enjoyed our conversation, subscribe here on Apple Podcasts and write a review. Visit LibbyOlerich.com slash The Waiting Room to sign up for my weekly newsletter with updates on new episodes and other content. I'm Libby Olerich, the host and producer of The Waiting Room series. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and week ahead.